I bet you, uh, you guys sometimes wonder what John and I chat about in the week, don't you? John's getting worried now. <laughs> well, John and I were chatting earlier this week, and while we were, John used a, a well-known phrase that I'm sure you've all heard of. Um, it's going to pop up on the screen behind me. He said, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And that can be true, can't it, sometimes? Sometimes the more we know, the more we worry, and life is, seems so much simpler before we found that thing out, whatever it might be. But while that can be true, uh, and it's a phrase that you've all heard of, I want to suggest a new phrase to you today. Um, more often than not, ignorance is awkward. Ignorance is awkward. Um, I wonder if you've ever had one of those conversations with somebody, um, and they begin by assuming that you know all about the situation that they're talking about. And that you already know how to, to use this program on the computer or this piece of machine, or even that you simply know who they are. And the conversation, as, as it goes on, you feel more and more awkward. And you're smiling and you're, you're nodding. Well, internally, you are racking your brains to try and remember some kind of context for what it is that they're talking about. Some kind of way to place their face and know who this person is that's, that's sharing with you. And then in the end, you've got a choice to make, haven't you? Do I make myself look silly now? And fess up to the fact that I have no idea what it is that they're talking about. I can't even remember who it is they are. Or do I risk looking even more silly later and just try and keep up appearances? And those moments are awkward. And the ignorance is awkward. If you ever go along to a group, a new group for the first time, maybe you come along to, to church today for the first time, or you can think back to your first time coming along to church. And when you go somewhere new and you've got no idea how things work there, what the dress code is or what's going to be expected of you, when you go somewhere new, you quickly realize that ignorance is awkward. And you feel uncomfortable. And it's not much fun when you don't know what's going on or how things work, is it? You know, and if you're here for the first time and maybe that's how you're feeling then, and you're, you're fairly new, then let me encourage you, you don't need to feel awkward or uncomfortable amongst us today. We have no expectations of you at all other than that you just come and you be yourself um, and we accept you as you are, so relax and just enjoy being a part of things today. So while there may be times when ignorance is bliss, I want to suggest that more often than not, ignorance is awkward. And if there's one area of the Christian life that can sometimes leave people feeling awkward, um, as if they're not sure what to think or how to respond or what they should do, I think it's the area of spiritual gifts. It's things like prophecy and healing and the gift of tongues. And I think that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. Because all that means is that you're going to feel awkward. And you'll find yourself in those situations where you feel like you should know what you're doing and you should know what's going on, but really you don't. But there's this assumption that you do. And so you you, you don't really know if you can ask something and you end up feeling like in one of those conversations where you're smiling and you're you're nodding and you're just trying to kind of go along with things and, and like you know what you're doing and just hoping that you don't get caught out in the process. And so this morning, I want to take some time to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because they are central to what God is wanting to do in us and through us as a church. 
And we've been talking about freedom recently and how God wants us to be a people who are set free, who are living free and bringing freedom. And this morning we're particularly wanting to unpack something of what it means to live life bringing freedom to others. And, and if we look at the, at the life of Jesus, who, who's not only our saviour but is our example, what we see is that one of the key ways that he was a bringer of freedom was through spiritual gifts. You know, he, Jesus shares a, a word of knowledge with a woman at the well, uh, which opens her heart to him. And to receive the true life that Jesus has on offer to her. He he discerns the spirits that are at work in people's lives. And from that place of discernment is able to speak into their life with authority. You know, time and again he heals people and he opens the eyes of the blind. He heals a paralytic. He even raises the dead. You know, when Jesus encounters people who in the natural have no hope, he reaches out to them through the supernatural which changes everything. And you know, God wants to work in just the same way through you and through me. Now, when we look around and we see people who are suffering and and are trapped in a situation and have no hope in that particular area of their lives, God wants us to be a people who bring his freedom. He wants us to be a people who bring his breakthrough to transform lives through you and through me. And so it's really important that we don't feel awkward about the gifts of the Spirit. But we understand them. And for those of us who are familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, that we, we need to keep reminding ourselves why God gives us these gifts. So that we learn to grow in them and to use them in the right way. And, and I want to start really this morning by talking about a couple of, them, of general principles to do with spiritual gifts. You know, there are, there are three key passages in the New Testament um, that, that kind of talk about and unpack the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, there's 1 Corinthians 12, which I've already referenced. There's Romans 12, and there's Ephesians chapter 4. And in each of these passages, you'll find a different list of, of the spiritual gifts, but you'll find different examples and different ways in which God gifts us for his purposes. But in each of these places where he talks about spiritual gifts, alongside the spiritual gifts, two other things are always mentioned. It always comes with two other things. The first thing that we find is that the spiritual gifts are always placed in the context of community. In the context of church. In the context of the body of Christ. The gifts are given to enable us to play our part in the church family that God has placed us in. You know, God has a role and a purpose for each person within the church. And he gives different gifts to each of us to fulfill that purpose, to serve the people of God, um, the people that uh, that God has joined us to. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 puts it so simply, where Paul writes this, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's beautiful, isn't it? So simple and so beautiful. God has spiritual gifts for each one of us. So that we each have a special way of helping others. And who are the others? Well, it's a pretty all-encompassing statement, isn't it? I think it means believers, those who are in the church, and it means unbelievers, those who don't yet know Jesus. There are believers, people in the church, who are in need of building up, who are in need of encouragement, who are in need of hope and breakthrough and healing in their lives. There are people in this room who are in need of that. But the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is also to go beyond the walls of the church and to impact the lives of those who don't yet know Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And I mean, it's fantastic to do acts of kindness and serving and to practically care for people. It's fantastic to share our stories of our experience of Jesus. But God has also, on top of that, given us gifts of the Spirit to display his power and to express something of his love to people who don't yet know him. You know, and what we see when, with Jesus' example is that when we operate in the gifts It's when we operate in these spiritual gifts that hearts can be opened to receive the truth about who Jesus is and to accept him for themselves. So the first thing that we see in all three of these passages is that the gifts of the Spirit are always given in the context of the church. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on as again. Um, but they're also, so they're also given for the per- context of the church for the purpose of serving one another. But the second thing that we see in all three of these passages is that right after talking about spiritual gifts, they all go straight into speaking about love. Every single one of them. You know, and the clearest example of this, I think, is in the passage we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians. Now, where in chapter 12, it's about spiritual gifts, and, and, it, and it places them in the context of the body of Christ. And then in chapter 14, it goes on to talk about spiritual gifts again, and the, the practicalities of what it looks like to operate in these gifts. But then smack bang in the middle in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is probably the most famous and powerful passage in the whole Bible on love. Paul finishes chapter 12 having talked about spiritual gifts by saying, now I will show you the most excellent way. Now if I speak in the tongues of of men or of angels but I have not love, I am only a clanging gong or a resounding cymbal. Meaningless, pointless. If I prophesy or if I operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit or do anything for God, but I have not love, it all counts for nothing. And then he begins chapter 14, having spoken about love in verse 1 by saying, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So the motivation, the heart that is foundational to everything else is a love for others. Now, if your motivation is to see someone's life transformed, to see them set free, then that's a good, safe place from which to start operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, when we carry God's heart of love for people, and then we see them struggling and suffering, held back in some way from what God has for them, What rises up in us in that moment out of that place of love goes beyond just sympathy to compassion. Because you you see, sympathy is something that all of us feel at different times. You know, when somebody shares something with you, when you see somebody suffering, you know, our heart goes out to them, we feel bad for them, we're sorry that they're facing what they're facing. But it kind of just stops there. But when you have compassion, you not only identify with the person, and what it is that they're going through and have sympathy for, for them. But, but there is this irresistible urge that, that rises up within you to do something about it and to see them set free by the power of Jesus. There is this irresistible urge to bring freedom into their life, to see breakthrough in their situation, to see the power of Jesus at work bringing healing to them. And the gifts of the Spirit, and particularly the gift of, of healing, I think so often are ushered in off of the back of a wave of compassion. You know, on the back of a surge of God's love that that rushes out. Because foundational to the operating of the gifts in the way that God desires for us to 
is to be motivated by love. Is to have a heart of love and compassion for others. And that's got to be the, the foundation. That's got to be the, the, the block that we build on. So I think there are two principles which in these passages we see are true for all of the gifts of the Spirit. They are given within the context of Christian community, in the context of church, where we can serve one another, where we can learn and grow, where we can, when we feel God's saying something to us, it can be weighed and tested. When God's leading us to do something, it can be weighed and tested and submitted to others. And that the gifts of the Spirit flow out of a heart of love for others, flow from a heart of compassion. So those are two principles I think have always stand true. But there's a whole bunch of different gifts. And if we wanted to try and unpack and talk about all of the different gifts, I'd have you here all day. And, um, and you probably wouldn't appreciate that. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 11. But then I'm just going to pick up on and highlight just two of the gifts. But this is what Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 11. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from um, the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now this is just one list of spiritual gifts in the Bible and it's certainly not exhaustive. But for simplicity, as I say, we're just going to focus on two of the gifts that Paul talks about here. And the first gift that we're going to talk about is the gift of healing or miracles. You know, we have an amazing God who loves us and who breaks into lives with healing here and now. Just as Jesus did. And rather than me just talk about it, what I want to do is I'm going to invite Philip just to come up and he's going to share something of his experience at the gift of healing in his own life. And then I'm just going to carry on and, and unpack a few principles to do with healing. So why don't we give Philip a welcome and encourage him and uh, give him a round of applause. first like to speak about my own healing that I've, I had years ago. Um, I wasn't a Christian and I went to see a man who had a gift of healing and I said to him that I, I didn't believe in God but uh, I knew I was really ill and I was willing to try anything and he said, I know Jesus is alive today and I have faith he can heal you. So I said, well, what have I got to do? And he said, well just sit on the chair in the middle of the room and let me pray. And I can remember his simple prayer. He just said, Heavenly Father, look down on Philip now in your love and heal him through your son, Jesus Christ. And I felt the power of God come on me, which I'd never experienced before. It was like electrical energy. And I felt warmth in my chest where I had a tumor. And it went on for about five minutes. 
And then eventually he sat down and I gradually opened my eyes and I felt my chest and I could feel the lump at half in size. And it was that that brought me to faith. And uh, I'll never forget that moment in my life. Um, the other thing that happened, um, I once went to a, a, a service where um, there was a word of knowledge and I'd been experiencing pain in the base of my spine for quite a long time. And uh, he, uh, the word of knowledge came that there was someone there with uh, pain in the base of their spine that they felt was arthritis. And if, they came, if they, the person came forward, God would heal them. And I ran out of my seat to the front and I got prayed for and, and the pain went immediately. It never, it's never come back. So I praise God for that. Um, also healing um, in my life has been uh, ongoing. Um, I used to suffer in my 20s and 30s with severe migraines. And uh, I also had an embarrassing problem. I I would only go to to the loo about once every five days. And you can imagine how a lot of discomfort that was to me. And I went to the doctor and he said, oh, you've just got a lazy bowel. You have to live with it. And gave me fibrogel. And I used to buy bags of all brand (laughs) almost every week. And uh, it was really awful. I went on for about 20 years. And I had prayer once, and someone saw a picture of a little boy with blonde hair, and which was me when I was small. And uh, I'd been sent to boarding school when I was 10, and I was absolutely traumatized. I came from a loving home, and I cried every night for oh, the first term at least. And uh, eventually I stopped crying, and all the pain just went down in my tummy here. And that's what the root of the problem was. And... Uh, Gradually, I had prayer for that, and the Lord lifted off all the trauma and shock of going to boarding school age 10, and eventually this problem completely went, so I can praise God for that. Um, Concerning healing for other people in my life, um, I've got one example here. I once went to a mission in South London where a group of churches all got together, and I think the unity in the body of Christ was very key to why there was a big move of God at this uh, gathering. And I was on the front of a healing line, and this young man came up in his 20s, heavily tattooed, and he had warts up the inside of his left arm, really unattractive. It must have been so embarrassing for him. And uh, I remember with the person on the front of the healing line with me, we just commanded these lumps to go in the name of Jesus. And the man wasn't a Christian, and sadly, I closed my eyes at this point. Uh, and when I opened them, they'd all gone. All these growths and lumps on his arm that were so awful, except for one on the inside of his arm. And I, I just felt to say, I believe God's left that one, so you'll never forget what he's done for you today, because he wasn't a Christian. And, and I believe quite often dramatic miracles happen to people who aren't Christians as a sign to them that God is real. And the healing service we've got here on the 8th of April, I would encourage those of you who know people who are sick, who don't know the Lord, to come. I believe it's an opportunity for them to see that God is real and that his power is, is, you know, released through the name of Jesus. And at that same mission in London, um, there was one other thing that I saw happen that I'll never forget. One of the most dramatic healings I've ever seen. Um, The preacher felt God lay on his heart to preach on unforgiveness. And he did a sermon uh, explaining the need that we need to forgive others so that we can receive forgiveness from God. 
And this woman, who I saw came to the mission by ambulance, uh, she was wheeled in by the ambulance driver in a wheelchair, and her whole body was crippled up with arthritis. Her arms were all, and her hands were all gnarled, her, her knees were all swollen. It was a pitiful sight to see her. Anyway, she came forward in response to this preacher talking about forgiveness, and she explained her story that when she was a young woman, um, her husband left her and went off with her best friend. And she'd become bitter, resentful, as you can understand, and almost hated these two people. And she realized that she needed to ask God to forgive her. She repented of unforgiveness. She released forgiveness to her best friend and her husband. And as she did this, the power of God came on her, and all this arthritis just left her body in an instant. And I saw her walking out, (laughs) pushing the wheelchair, and the ambulance driver was just absolutely amazed uh, witnessing this happen. So I I feel forgiveness is quite a key to receiving healing. And uh, I just wanted to finish with one word that I don't want you to think that all sickness is due to sin. Um, Jesus once healed in John 9, 3, uh, a man born blind. And uh, the disciples said to him, was this man um, born blind because of his sin or anyone else or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither, so that the glory of God can be revealed. And I believe there's several people here. I mean, my wife and I are still struggling with ME, and uh, Kathy's got really bad fibromyalgia and is in a lot of pain a lot of the time. We're still on a healing journey. And I don't believe there's anything particularly sinful in our lives that, you know, we're open to being convicted, but he hasn't shown us. I believe there's a time coming when he's going to heal us. And, you know, we've had a word of prophecy that health and strength is going to come to us. We had that two years ago, and we're using that prophecy each day, and we're using scriptures that, um, you know, we can stand on. I mean, in the word of God, it says, in his wounds, he bore our sicknesses, Jesus, and by his stripes, we're healed. And we're proclaiming those scriptures, and I'd encourage those of you here who are still uh, sick uh, and just to stand in faith that healing will come one day. I just trust God. I hope I haven't gone on over that's five great. minutes. No, that's great. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Bless you. It's brilliant. Thank you, Philip. Thank you. Um, it's great to hear how God has worked in Philip's life, isn't it? Um, and the healing that he has, has, has gifted to Philip and how he's worked through Philip um, to, to heal others. You know, and, and I believe that God wants his church to operate in these gifts because he is the healer. And he is powerful and he wants to demonstrate his love by bringing healing and breakthrough and freedom to broken and hurting people. Whether they be people in the church or outside of the church. You know, but I know that there can be times when we're praying for healing and sometimes something in us feels frustrated because we feel like we ought to be able to see God's power and rule here and now and we don't understand why it doesn't happen every time. I know I've had those times where I've felt frustrated and I don't have a simple answer as to why some people receive instantaneous healing and others don't. Why Philip was, was, has been healed of his tumor but hasn't been healed of ME? I don't have a simple answer in terms of that. But what I do know is that when we see the gifts of the Spirit at work, when we see people healed and set free, 
It is a foretaste of what God has for us in heaven. You know, in heaven, there is perfect health and perfect peace and perfect freedom, which will be there for all of us to enjoy and that we can look forward to with a surety and a confidence. And the gifts of the Spirit that God gives us are a breaking in and a foretaste of what is to come in the here and now. And while we're on this earth and in this broken world, there will be seasons when we walk through the valleys and we shed tears. But we know that there is a time that is coming when we will be with God in heaven. And there will be no more pain and no more sickness and no more suffering of any kind. And when God moves through spiritual gifts to bring healing and breakthrough in people's lives, it is a foretaste of what God has for us in heaven here and now. And I want to see more of that, don't you? You know, I long to see us as a, as a church bringing freedom to people's lives through the gift of healing. And, you know, bringing breakthrough in a situation which seemed hopeless to somebody through healing. And I believe that's God's heart for us too. And that there is an increase in healing and miracles which God is wanting to do amongst us as we make ourselves available. And as we receive God's heart of love and we're moved in compassion for those who are around us. And that that's the foundation And then from that place, we receive the gifts of the Spirit and we're empowered to do something about it. I think that's what God has for us as a church. And I want to see us begin to to move into that as we make ourselves available. Um, Another of the gifts that Paul mentions and that that he says we're to eagerly desire is the gift of prophecy. Um, And I'm going to ask Becky just to come and she's going to share a little something about her, her experience with prophecy. So thank you, Becky. Jason, that was better. Yeah, so um, when Pete rang me in the weekend um, and asked me um, about sharing a a couple of minutes today on my experience of of the prophetic, um, my mind immediately went back about, going back quite a few years, about 10 years ago, actually. um, And the context um, was that I was uh, on a prayer team with my previous church in Salisbury, and we were having one of our get-togethers, very much like the prayer team does here, and I was in a little triplet, um, and we were asking God um, to reveal things to our minds to share with the other two people in our triplet. And one of the guys in my little group of three, he um, he said to me that he had um, what you might call a prophetic picture for me. And that was um, in two parts. The first part was of my arm with a, a, a nasty wound on it. Um, a really sort of sore and um, bleeding wound. And the second part of the picture was that this had completely healed and that there was no scar at all. Now, the uh, the context of that is that at that time, back along, I was not the blessed person and the healed person that you generally see. I was in a completely different uh, time of life of great pain and depression and uh, not feeling free or healed or whole or uh, joyful at all. And I did feel like I was a walking wound in a way for various reasons for another time. Uh, And so um, this idea of being completely healed with no scar was something that I was maybe a little bit sceptical about, but actually did accept because I wanted that, obviously. And uh, over the next couple of years, that came true. 
And I do believe that there is no scar where there is that pain. And so I rejoice in that. Praise the Lord for that. Um, and also, that was me receiving, and I've had lots of words since, and some of them are still ongoing, as that one was for a bit as well. So I just walk, as Philip said, we keep walking along in our journey, don't we? And I've also sometimes um, been used by the Lord to bring a, a prophetic word to people, but that comes on different levels, and I've not generally experienced something very specific um, more in terms of uh, bringing God's truth and, and reminding people if they know and if they don't know, telling them of um, who they are or could be in Christ. Um, more of an encouragement and a, a general sort of purpose word, if you like, um, rather than a specific prophecy. And, and I think this fits so brilliantly with what Pete was saying about working in the context of the Christian community, that community of love of God's people. And I think, I just want to encourage us all in that, that that is something we can all participate in. Um, and let me just look at my notes because otherwise I'll, you know, drift off. Um, speaking, speaking God's truth is, is always nourishing, isn't it? I mean, in, in the context of love as well, these two things are so important. You know, you need both, don't you? And uh, so speaking, it's always nourishing and protecting because we need that that gentle guidance from the Lord, don't we, in our, in our walk with him. We don't want to go right or left. We want to keep going uh, straight and true. And um, and I've often found, maybe because of my own experience, that people that I talk to and pray with are often feeling they're living plan B and not plan A for their lives, which is what I felt for many, many years. And I don't think that as if we belong to the Lord that that is what is happening. I think that we are living plan A. It's just that sometimes that healing needs, it takes time and that God doesn't overlook anyone. And these are the sorts of things that I tend to bring when I'm praying with people because it resonates with me and the truth of the fact that we, who we are in Christ and, um, and all those amazing things that the Bible teaches us are so useful and needed as we pray and support one another. So, um, yeah, that is let me just one more little bit. <laughs> um, and that's the beauty of being of being a family. Because we all have our place, don't we? In a family, you're all different personalities. We're all different personalities. We're all different shapes and sizes. We're all, you know, the jigsaw puzzle is an ideal analogy because we only fit you need everyone to fit together if you see what I mean. And um and so I feel I just feel very blessed that God has spoken into my life and used me to speak out of my life into other people's lives in this way to encourage us on our journey with him. One thing I do want to say is that I have to consciously remind myself to listen to the Lord because it's easy, isn't it, to come along to a a meeting, a gathering like this, and it's all very nice. We sang brilliant songs, lots of my favorites this morning, and um, and it's all true, But and we can go out and we can feel blessed and encouraged. But if we remember to actually connect with God. It's a deliberate choice, isn't it? We can then have that uh, divine revelation or encouragement for someone else um, that we might have missed. You know, And the people who generally come to the front to share words, I think that's what they are doing. They are reminding themselves deliberately, consciously choosing to listen for that moment in time. 
And uh, so just to encourage us all to, to do that. I was thinking, you know those 3D pictures that were fashionable uh, going back a bit? You had to deliberately choose and focus your mind in a certain way, your eyes, to see the picture that suddenly shot into view. If you're anything like me, it was just amazing. I was blown over by it. But that's what I think we have to do when we want to listen to God and receive something specific from him or encouraging from him. We have to actually focus and choose to do it. That's it. I'm stopping. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Becky. That's brilliant. Now, I think prophecy is, is one of the most wonderful ways that God works to build up and encourage and strengthen and comfort. You know, and we all need that at times, don't we? You know, I don't think, I can't imagine there's a single person here who would object to receiving a bit of encouragement, you know, or a bit of comfort or a bit of strength, would we? You know, it's, it's a joy when that happens. You know, and it's fantastic when someone shares a word with you from God that confirms God's love for you and his plan for your life. And he knows what it is that you're going through and that he's with you and so you can have hope. And, you know, I think that's the primary purpose of prophecy. You know, it's to flow out of the heart of the love of God that I spoke about earlier and to encourage and to build up and to comfort and to strengthen And I think that's why Paul says we should eagerly desire it. Because through it, people will be blessed. Because through it, we can be a people who bring freedom to others. You know, and sometimes, though, you know, prophecy has been misunderstood and as being all about the future. And and while there are times when prophecy has a future dimension, more often than not, it's not about the future. But about God wanting to speak to a person and bless them in the here and now. And and again, the gift of, of prophecy... As Becky mentioned, it's given in the context um, of the church. And so I think we've got to be careful about, you know, in, in handing out prophecies to people left, right, and center. You know, because prophecy is meant to be weighed and tested. You know, it's meant to be submitted to a, a leader in the community, which is why when someone feels God puts something on their heart to share, they, we, we ask that they come and share it with John and myself first. You know, and do you know what? I encourage you, that's easy within a Sunday service, but I encourage you to have the same mentality outside of a Sunday service as well. And that's something we don't always think about. You know, but if you feel God shows you something, look for an opportunity to share it with somebody that you trust so that they can weigh it and, to, and contest it with you. You know, and if John or I or someone else, um, you know, as they test it with you, says they don't think it's right to, to share it in that moment, then don't take offense. Because it doesn't mean that God hasn't shown you something. It just means that it might not be right to share it there and then. It may be he's shown you it simply so that you can pray. Maybe he's shown it to you and it's to be shared in a different context. You know, but having weighed it and then tested it, I think the next thing to to check, uh, the next thing is to check your heart to ensure that when you share it, you share it with the heart of love that God intends. So to to receive the word, share it with somebody else, submit it, acknowledge the fact that we all get it wrong sometimes, share it with somebody, weigh it, test it, then you've got the confidence to go forwards, but when you're going to go forwards to share it, take a moment just to check your heart, to come before God, to ask God how you can share it in the way which just expresses his love in the best possible way, in the way that he intends. And I think when we follow those guidelines that God lays out for us, we have an amazing opportunity through prophecy to see God speak into people's lives through us and to bring freedom. Now for some of you, I'm talking about these things will all be really familiar. 
And for others of you, it might all sound odd or make you uncomfortable. And you might think, well, that's great for other people, but it, I'm nothing to do with me. You know, but if the Holy Spirit is, is here with us, as Jesus promises that he is, then what an amazing privilege we have to partner with him to transform lives and to bring freedom. And if he wants to do that through the gifts that he chooses to give, then let's start, as Paul talks about, eagerly desiring to be used by God in naturally supernatural ways. You know, I think so often, I don't know about you guys, but certainly myself and in my experience, I find that we can... We pray together that we would see a move of God and an increase in his power and a display of signs and wonders and miracles and healings and all the rest of it. But there's a difference between that and making ourselves available and praying those prayers and saying, do it through me. And saying, God, I eagerly desire not just to see you move, but I eagerly desire your gifts so that your love, your compassion can be expressed through me. I think that's what Paul's talking about here, a difference that he's, he's talking about here when he says to eagerly desire it. So the commission that we're given, I believe that Paul gives us, is to follow the way of love and to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. That's the commission that he gives us. And the word eagerly that Paul uses means to be jealous or to burn with desire within. It's a passionate word. You know, and I wonder how, how many of us, how often myself, have we, could we describe ourselves as burning with desire to see lost people saved? Burning with desire to see sick people healed? Burning with desire to see people set free and to have a passion to see lives transformed? Not just that we'd like it, but burning with desire. 